God wants to speak to us and free us and bring us into a place of freedom and life and liberty in these areas. The sermon title today is called Little Foxes. And so Lisa's going to give a bit of an explanation. But we want to tell a story first. Uh, we want to tell a story. We have permission to tell this story. It's of a couple that we know very well. This is a couple we know very, very well. And this couple is in ministry. And the story goes like this. I'm going to do his perspective, and then Lisa's going to do her perspective. And we want to kind of just open this topic up a little bit. When he, was, when he was in his teenage years, he was exposed to pornography pretty early on, pretty early on in his teenage years, and it got a grip on him pretty quick. And the culture, the culture that was around him were all these guys that would go and watch pornography during their lunch hour and eat their bologna sandwiches, hang out with 16, 15 guys, and watch pornography, and then go to school. And this kind of, this culture got him hooked. And so then it went from that to where he was regularly consuming pornography on a regular basis. Now, this, this young man, he, he decided to go to Bible college. All right? So now he's in Bible college, and he's got this issue. Now, the way the Bible college was set up is he had very limited access to pornographic material. And so in this environment of accountability and other guys chasing after Jesus and learning more of God and growing in faith, he overcame this addiction in his life. And he graduated Bible college, and then he started ministry. And while he was in ministry, he was full-time in ministry, and he started going back to school to just upgrade his classes and upgrade his stuff and work towards getting his credentials. And during that time, it became a very, very busy time. And for the first time in his life, this young man, he began to experience depression. He never experienced depression before in his life. And he, he kind of hit a crossroads. And in that moment, he thought he had overcome pornography years ago. But in that moment, the enemy of his soul came and exposed him again. And it didn't take long. In his unhealth and in his brokenness, in his depression, in his work, 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 that he got back involved in pornography consumption. And it quickly became something that he could not shake on his own. In fact, this young man is, okay, so you got to remember, he's now a pastor, okay? He's a pastor in a church. He's going to a Bible college. He's ministering to people. And he's broken. And he can't get out. And he tries, he tries so hard. But he tries alone because he's so ashamed. And one day, it all comes to a head. He's at home. Uh, his wife uh, had just given birth to their daughter, their first, their first uh, child. And he's in the bathroom. And he's in the bathroom just to get away. And he's sitting, he says he's sitting on the tub. He's sitting against the tub, and he begins to experience the Holy Spirit come upon him like he's never experienced before. And in his brokenness, he begins to cry out to God. And the Holy Spirit comes upon him so heavy that he begins to weep and weep and weep. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just tears. It was ugly cry. Okay? There's ugly cry, and then there's, there's man ugly cry. All right? And his wife was in the living room, down the hall, in the living room, and she could hear him 
just heaving as he wept and as he cried and as he was brokenhearted. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to him clearly and said, now's the time. Now's the time. It's now or never. It's now or never. And in that moment, he knew what that meant. He knew either, either I confess now or this road is going to take me to places of brokenness that I will not be able to recover from. And so in that moment, he got himself cleaned up. His wife was at the door knocking, wondering what the world's going on, what's wrong. And so they go into the bedroom and sit on the edge of the bed. And he confesses to his wife what's been going on in his life. And that he's not been able to overcome it. And in that moment, the weight of the world was lifted off his shoulders. Now we open by saying that, that we had permission to tell this story and that we know this couple very well. And, 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 and that's, that's half truth. Um, the reality is, this is our story. This is our story. This is what we walked through, how many years ago now? 11 years ago. 11 years ago. And the reason we feel so passionate about Real Talks is because we need to stop pretending in churches like we got it all together because we have a really real enemy that's out to kill us to destroy our marriages to destroy our influence to destroy our ministries and we need to get real about these things so we're gonna we're gonna take a, a quick journey um, and if you have your Bibles why don't you turn to Proverbs chapter 7 Proverbs chapter 7 and if you're taking notes please uh, take notes, and as the Holy Spirit speaks to you, just write, write things down. Write it down. Be reminded. Um, because I believe that God is going to speak to individuals today. But I want to start by demystifying a couple of myths out there around pornography. Uh, the first myth is this. Porn is just a man problem. Okay? That's the first myth. Porn is just a man problem. The reality is studies show that one of three visitors to adult sites are women. That's 33%. 33% of porn consumption is women. It's not just a man problem. And then the second myth that I want to just kind of disrupt is porn is a teenager and up problem. It's a teenager. It's like, you know, when we think of pornography, we think 16-year-old boys, right? That's kind of where we go. The reality is, in Canada, the average first-time exposure to pornography is eight years old. Let that sink in for a moment. First time exposure to pornography is eight years old. That's why Lisa and I are very, almost uncomfortably, open with our kids. Now our son's eight years old. The reality is, we need to have real talks with our kids about what sex is all about because it's too darn good to let it be broken by the enemy so here's where we go Proverbs 7 
Starting verse 1. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my, my, my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them in your, on, on your fingers. Write them down on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. So the, 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 the one writing Proverbs, he's saying, guys, listen, be wise. What I'm about to tell you, write this down. Start living it. Create boundaries. Be wise and, and be full of understanding. Verse 5, to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. For at the window of my house I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight in the evening at the time of night and darkness. Now, before we get into this, I want to interchange a few words. He's using a metaphor here. He's using a story. He's using a young man. And what we can do is we go, I'm not a young man, so I don't have to pay attention to this. Uh, shut that voice up now. Because the enemy would love for you to just really kind of delve into that. Oh, this is for young men. Okay? This is a metaphor. This is for all of us. It talks about the woman. The woman being kind of the one bringing temptation. Listen, that's interchangeable. <laughs> don't just think woman and go, through, oh, I'm, a, I'm a guy. I don't have to worry about it. This is interchangeable. So men and women think opposite as we read this. It's simply a metaphor. So there's two things I want you to notice about the setting here. The young man is skirting the neighborhood of this woman. The young man is skirting temptation. And, and here's what's interesting about the human condition. We love to skirt the neighborhood of sin, don't we? Like how close can I get to the edge... Well, I'm still a person of integrity and character, but how close to the edge can I get without falling? Don't we do that? Why do we do that? And the psalmist is saying, listen, make wisdom, make understanding your friend. But here's the reality. When we skirt the neighborhood of sin and brokenness, here's what happens. It says he was skirting the neighborhood, but then it says taking the road to her house. You can only skirt the neighborhood so long before you start taking the road to her house. You can only play on the line, on the fence, for so long before you start taking the road to her house. And then more from skirting the edge to taking the road to her house. And then the second thing I want you to notice is twilight. This is happening as the sun's going down. This is happening in the dark. Our sin and our brokenness, it often happens in the secret places. It happens in the dark where nobody can see what's going on. It happens in the dark. Verse 10, And behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. Now notice, remember I said the woman is just simply representing sexual brokenness and temptation. So whatever that looks like for you, but she comes out to meet the young man. Uh, here's the reality of the porn industry today. It used to be, back in the day, if you wanted access to pornographic material, you had to go into the back of the greasy gas station and grab that magazine in the cellophane bag. You guys remember that? Back in the day, your access 
You had to be determined to go find it in many ways. Listen, today, the pornography industry is set up in such a way online that it's finding you. They are optimizing online to find you. In fact, they are optimizing online to find your kids because they understand how addictive it is and that if they can get your kid, they have a lifelong subscriber. They have lifelong revenue if they can get your kid. Porn is not something you have to go find anymore. Porn is something that comes out just like this woman and comes to find you. Verse 11, she is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him, and with bold face she says to him, I had offered sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen, and I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him at full moon. He will come home. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. Sexual brokenness will always lie to you with the same lie. Here's the lie. You ready? I'm waiting for you. Here's the lie of the porn industry. Creates a sense of, I want you. I've been waiting for you. You are the one that I want. It's a lie. It's a deception that the enemy uses. The truth is the sexually broken are only in it for themselves. I mentioned the porn industry. They're in it for revenue. They're looking to stack paper. That's what they're in it for. But the sexually broken, they're only in it for themselves as well. It's a selfishness that gets passed off as selflessness. It's a selfishness that, that, that wants to come out and say, I, I've, I'm for you, I desire you, I want you. It's not true. It's self-centered. It's self-fulfilling. And then she says something that I believe always gets us into trouble. She says, my husband is away for a long journey. You know what she's saying here? She's saying, you won't get caught. That's what she's saying. She's saying, you won't get caught and there will be no consequences. This is the second lie that our sexual brokenness tells us. You won't get caught and there are no consequences. And the reality is, in my story, as I was struggling with this for that season of time, married as a pastor, I was, okay, I was so messed up because I could not get out of this. I couldn't overcome it. I tried everything. I tried everything right down to literally beating myself physically. I don't recommend it. It doesn't work. I was so angry that I could not overcome this. And that anger, that frustration, you know, you know who took the brunt of it? 
Take a wild guess who took the brunt of it. Lisa did. I was, I was such a short fuse, I, I don't think I even had a fuse. I had no time to lay on my bomb. I just blew up. I just blew up. And it wasn't because of what anything that she had done. It's because I was so frustrated and mad that I could not overcome this. And I was so ashamed because I was supposed to be better. I was supposed to be a pastor. I was supposed to be an example. I was supposed to be a shining light to people to model their lives after. And I was a wreck. Here's the lie. You won't get caught and there's no circumstances. The reality is your sin is going to bleed out into the most important relationships that you have. Your sin, your brokenness is going to bleed out into your everyday life. No matter how hard you try to hide it. And my sin was bleeding out. Here's the problem. Sin and brokenness always finds a way to bleed out of our lives and negatively affect those closest to us. Verse 22, all at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, as a stag is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver, as a bird rushes into a snare. He does not know that it will cost him his life. And now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to my words and my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low, and all are slain, are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to, to shale, to hell, going down to the chambers of death. And here the truth of this encounter is revealed. Sexual brokenness will always lead us to death. It'll always lead us to death. It leads us to broken lives, to broken relationships, and ultimately a place of addiction and hopelessness. And if we're not careful, sometimes what we do in the moments of our, our greatest addiction and brokenness is we begin to shake our fists at the heavens and get mad at God. <laughs> we hope that our story can serve as both a warning and as a beacon of hope, that there's healing and there's restoration. And I know Statistically, statistically, I know there are men and women here, you, you are struggling with this. In fact, 68% of men, 33, or 30, 33% of women, we know statistically that you're struggling with this. And that's why we want to bring real talks. We want to put this on the table and start addressing the elephants in the room. Lisa's going to talk about another topic. ...about us. He knows every hidden thought, and he still loves us. And it is such a beautiful thing that we don't want you to contaminate it. And unfortunately, in our earnest to say this, sometimes we have made sex shameful. And we have made it a dirty thing. And we have taken something that's supposed to be beautiful, and through the brokenness, especially in our North American society, we have polluted one of the most sacred and beautiful forms of intimacy. 
And so what we're not trying to do is say that sex is bad. We're not. It is good. It's good. We are not trying to shame you or make you feel guilty. We are trying to bring to light this beautiful act of intimacy and more. And what happens is that sexual intimacy, whether it's actually having sex or, okay, brace yourselves, praying together. If you are dating, stop praying together. Please, pray for the person. Praying together will lead to praying together on couches, and then praying together on couches with the lights off. See, it's, it's not even about that. It's about the intimacy. It's about the intimacy. And women, you know this. When are you, when are you most <laughs> available? You know what? It's when he's most emotionally available, right? And in emotional intimacy, that's what leads to, to love and and sex, particularly in marriage. But that's why we're talking about prayer because that is moments of intimacy. It's moments of emotional intimacy. And it's, in some ways, when you're not married, it's skirting the neighborhood. And it's only a matter of time before you go down the street. So these things are like glue. When we have moments of intimacy with one another, it's just... They're glue moments. But what happens if those things happen with somebody that you haven't vowed forever with? You haven't stood before God and man and pledged your life together. Is that if that moment comes, when you're not with that person, there are fragments left behind. There are memories and ghosts that come into your relationship, that come into the most sacred and intimate moments that you have with the person that you did choose and vow forever with. And they are really, really hard to get rid of. This was my story. I had a boyfriend that I thought was gonna be forever. We weren't forever. And one day I had to sit in front, face to face, with the person I knew was going to propose and say, do you still want me? Because this is what my heart looks like. And there were times that we had to work through the ghosts and the memories walking into sacred, intimate moments in our marriage that we had to pray through and we had to fight for each other on because they were broken places in my heart that shouldn't have been there because I got too close to the line. I thought that we would be okay. And you're not. And just because you love each other is not a good enough reason to glue your heart to somebody that you haven't actually 
made the commitment of forever. Because I thought, like, honestly, girls, I thought this is going to be it. Like, I was told there's an engagement ring. You know, it's just at the jeweler. It's okay, it's forever. Until you actually stand in that beautiful white dress and you know that forever is forever, it's not worth the hurt and the ghosts and the memories. Don't awaken love until it's time. And if you have, there's this beautiful story of Jesus. And he comes across this woman and an angry mob. And she's been dragged from her home and out into the day, and they're ready to kill her, to stone her in the most horrific of deaths. And Jesus literally saves her life. But then he reaches down and he forgives her. And he gives her a brand new start. And that's the grace that Jesus has for each of us. That every situation can be restored and every life can be saved. And you can walk in his strength. And I said, it's very hard to put love back to sleep, but it's not impossible. Not with Jesus. We're going to shift gears really quickly to uh, all you married folks now. But if you're, if you're single here, you need, to, you need to really get this as well. Um, we're going to be talking about affairs. And we're going to talk two, two kinds of affairs, okay? Physical, sexual affairs, we all know. That's, but I think the more dangerous, we're talking about little foxes that chew up the vineyard, the more dangerous is emotional affairs. And I believe the single greatest threat to our marriage is the active pursuit of affirmation and emotional connectivity in the wrong places. Most sexual affairs are born out of emotional affairs. And here's what I mean by that. Emotional affairs are when you are depending on someone of the opposite sex, I want to put a caveat here, and or of the same sex, if, you, if you're struggling with same-sex attraction in this place, other than your spouse, okay? And the reason I say that is I, I have been in ministry too long. I've heard too many stories. I've walked with too many people through sexual brokenness. And here's the reality. There's, there's a time I, I walked with, through, with, a, with a man who's over 70 years old. He was married. He had kids. He had grandkids. And his struggle was gay porn. Because he was abused by a woman when he was young. And he was disgusted by women sexually. And he struggled with same-sex attraction his entire life. And so I don't, I, don't, I don't want to assume anything here. And we need to create safe places for everyone. For everyone to understand. And so emotional affairs is when you're depending on someone other than your spouse of the opposite sex or the same sex if you're dealing with same-sex attraction. And men, I want to talk to you for a moment because we come across as tough. Sometimes we come across as a little bit emotionally atrophied. Okay? You know what I'm talking? Ladies are like, yeah, amen. 
But the reality is we have a high, high, high need for affirmation. Men, we have a high need. As tough as we pretend to be, we have a high need for affirmation. And unfortunately, this is where our brokenness begins to get vulnerable. You begin having someone other than your spouse speak consistent words of affirmation over you. It gives you a high. I'm not going to lie. It feels great. It does. It feels great. But those emotional connections, they begin to form around these feelings of being wanted or needed. And Proverbs 5, 3 to 5 says, For the lips of a forbidden woman, okay, woman or man, let's just, this is a metaphor, remember, put it into your context. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as any two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps follow the path to, to hell. We need to be careful about who we're emotionally connected to in intimacy, emotional intimacy. Because it's not long when we're skirting that neighborhood that we start walking down the street to sexual affair. Be aware. Be mindful. Be wise. Women, generally, uh, emotional connectivity is foundational to, to both your needs uh, relationally and sexually. Don't worry, I asked Lisa about this and she confirmed A place where you feel emotionally safe and emotionally valued. You need to be careful. You need to be careful. If you're finding yourself feeling emotionally safe and emotionally valued with someone of the opposite sex other than your spouse, be wise. Be wise. Uh, in fact, 68%, okay, I, I wanted to include this stat because I think in our day and age it's so important. 68% of divorce cases in the United States involve one partner meeting someone else over the internet. 68% of divorce cases involve one partner meeting someone over the internet. And, and women, women are twice as likely to be involved in chat rooms than men are. Why is that? Because there's communication, there's affirmation, there's safety, there's emotional safety. I have sat with so many people who have connected with those on the internet in chat rooms or those who have rekindled an old flame from the past because of Facebook where they begin to chat a lot and they begin to find emotional safety and start feeling valued emotionally. And it's not long before that leads to a sexual affair, as they step into emotional affair. You were made for emotional intimacy. You were made for affirmation at the deepest levels. But if you're married, you are made for that with your spouse. Your spouse is the one, and, 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 and when I say that, I want to be careful because here's the deal. Here's the deal. We live in a you-complete-me culture. How many of you have seen that movie? Good old Tom Cruise messed us all up. You complete me. What a load of garbage. Lisa does not complete me. I don't. Because in order for her to complete me, she would have to be perfect. 
here saying I'm not perfect? Come on. In fact, she'd have to be Jesus. Jesus Christ is the only one who's going to complete you. The only one who's going to complete you. And to put it on your spouse to complete you is a load of garbage. And you're going to be angry and bitter towards them for the rest of your marriage if you're putting on your spouse to complete you. Jesus completes you. But as he loves us and as he shows us how to love, then we take this marriage and we take this and we go, I'm going to do to the best of my ability by the grace of God to affirm, to encourage, and to be emotionally available to my wife. And vice versa. That's the beauty of marriage. That's the beauty of this relationship. So guard your heart when you're finding yourself becoming emotionally intimate with a man or a woman other than your spouse. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about physical sexual affairs because I believe if we, if we are careful to guard against this, we will not be walking the neighborhood of temptation to take that street down to her house or to his house. If we're careful about our emotional boundaries with others within the context of our marriage, I believe God will keep us from escalating to sexual affair. But here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. Emotional affairs can be carried out on, in the public eye and oftentimes be accepted. Who's ever heard the saying, oh, that's his office wife? Who's ever heard that? Let's be real. Happens all the time. Happens all the time in the workplace. That, that's his office wife. Or that's her office husband. People that are being recognized as emotionally being available to one another. Here's the deal. Emotional affairs, they can be carried out in public. And so we have to be guarded. Because often no one's going to call you on it. You need to be guarded. In fact, I recently talked with a pastor who said that his wife is the one who brought to his attention. How many, how many ladies, you know, sometimes us guys, we can be so clueless? Yeah? So he's a pastor, and he's counseling, and he's there for this woman that's going through brokenness, going through hard time, and he's just doing his job, right? And his wife came to him and said, hey, that person, that is becoming unhealthy. They are feeling emotionally safe and emotionally connected to you. It was only one way. It was a one-way street. At that moment, it was a one-way street, but here's the reality. That pastor said, if my wife hadn't brought that to my attention, because I wasn't even thinking, I wasn't even going there, I don't know what would have come of that. And so I had to put boundaries in my life. I had to put boundaries in place that I was no longer making myself emotionally available to this person who's becoming codependent on me. So emotional affairs, be aware of them. The enemy would like nothing more than take God's greatest metaphor for relationship with him and trash it through the mud. So the previous three little foxes are choices that we make to walk into brokenness. And this last fox, rather, is the brokenness of another enacted upon you. And if you have been watching the news or 
social media over the last few weeks, then you have seen the very, very public account of powerful men in Hollywood who have been using their power for decades, acting out their brokenness upon others. And in light of this, there's been a movement across social media where those who have been survivors, victims of sexual abuse and harassment have been adding Me Too to their accounts, bringing light to the vast amount of sexual abuse that is prevalent in our society. And in no way is this um, to say that this is a fox that is your fault. I'm sorry that if this is your story, that it is your story. It's my story too. My sexual world was awakened very early in childhood by a Bible college student who was staying billeting at our house during his internship. And the brokenness of another and acted upon us can become a fox in our most sacred of relationships. Because the brokenness from that, sexual abuse, can cause distrust. It awakens sexuality within me very, very early and very young, where I always had a desire and appetite for that, but didn't know why. It creates trigger points that we had to navigate, and even some that now, as God's bringing memories to light, as he is bringing awareness to what actually happened to me as an eight-year-old girl, because I repressed a lot of those, that now are making sense of to things that we had to walk through and navigate and sidestep. And this fox can create so many things within our marriages, and it's not just women. As I talk, I know I'm I'm talking in that lens, and it's just because it's mine. Um, But we know that sexual abuse towards boys is high. It's very high. It's 25%, one in four within Canada, one in three towards girls. But the brokenness of that can create these little minefields (laughs) in your marriage where unwittingly and unknowingly you just stumble across bruise points, you stumble across things that, that bring you flashbacks or bring you some reaction that you can't really figure out. And so that was something that, that Satan used for a long time. If people only knew they'd know it's all your fault. If people only knew, they'd never let you on that platform. If people only knew. And again, (laughs) going to my husband, sobbing, and he's like, what's wrong? Went to embrace me, he said, don't touch me. Because you're never gonna want to touch me again after I tell you this story. And that's a lie. (laughs) Because any sane person 
goes, it's not your fault. Sexual abuse enacted upon you is never your fault, ever. You can never bring that on yourself. No means no, always. If you are a survivor of that and you carry that guilt of somehow believing that there is something that you could have done differently, you need to let that go because that's just the enemy trying to keep you in bondage to someone else's brokenness. When it's never your fault. But there's hope. And I hope that that is kind of, and we're going to talk about this in a second, but in all of this, there is hope. There is wholeness available to us even when we have been broken in the most intimate of betrayals. There is healing, there is freedom, there is life, and we don't have to stay just surviving because God is good and he's faithful and he is not just the healer of our bodies. By his stripes we are healed, all of us. Our emotions, our memories, our past, it is all brought to redemption under the cross. And Lucas had talked about in his journey of having to feel like he had to walk this alone. And that's when he was really beaten down. And in this journey, and it just kind of, it was like, as soon as God showed me that it would, I would not be met with disgust, it was like the top of the can popped off. Um, and all of a sudden, God was bringing other women who were survivors of sexual abuse. And together, we walked down this road to healing. Because we can't do it on our own. God made us for each other. And there is safety and there is healing on the road when we walk each other to the cross. So we want to do something a little bit different this morning. And this is, this is something that, that we've, we've done before. We've done it this way before. But when we talked about altar before, right, we had said sometimes you need to take that step. And everybody's freaking out inside right now. <laughs> we're not going to embarrass anyone in here. And here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go one at a time with this, but... Section over here, you're section one, all right? What section are you? One. Two. What are you? Section three. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask every single person in here to close your eyes. And I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. I am so deadly serious. I am so deadly serious, all right, about creating safe places that if you have your eyes open in this place, I'm going to call you out and I'm going to kick you out of this room. All right? So you just need to know that. If you have your eyes open, I'm going to call you out and I'll kick you out of this room because we're creating safe places so people can be able to deal with some of this stuff that they need to deal with, all right? Because we're for our brothers and sisters. Amen? 
So I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes. I'm going to come over to section number one. Everyone close your eyes. I'm just talking to the men, all right? I'm just talking to the men. Lisa will come later with the women, but I'm just talking to the men. And this is simply all, the the only step I'm going to ask you to do. If God has been speaking to you in any of these areas, I believe God has healing for you. So in section number one, all I'm going to, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand, nothing. I'm just going to ask you to open your eyes and make eye contact with me. That's it. That's your step. That's your altar this morning. So every eye closed, every eye closed in this room. And Lisa's eyes are closed too up on the stage, so don't worry about that. But men, in section one, if you're struggling with pornography or you find yourself in an emotional sexual affair or you find yourself in brokenness sexually right now and you just want to say, Lucas, I need to take that step of healing. I need to take that first step of just admitting and confessing before you and before God. I'm going to ask you to just make eye contact with me right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Close your eyes. Section number two. Middle section, number two. Every eye closed. Same question to you, men. Same question to you. If you're here and you need to overcome something in your life, in your sexual life, I'm going to ask you to just make eye contact with me for a moment. Three, two, one. Thank you. Listen, okay, you can close your eyes. Listen, you, you, you guys need to understand there are people, you're not alone. <laughs> you are not alone. All right? The enemy is going to tell you you're the only one. He's going to tell you you're the only one. What a load of garbage. Section number three, men. If you need to take that step, confessing before men and God, take that first step, man, I'm just going to ask you to just make eye contact with me. Three, two, one. All right, close your eyes. Lucas and I are just going to swap spots and his eyes will be closed. And women, we know that this, these things are not just men issues. So I'm going to ask you if you have brokenness or if you've had brokenness enacted upon you and you just need to find healing, Section one, would you just open your eyes and make eye contact with me? Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Section one, if you can just close your eyes. Section two, if you need to find healing, can you just open your eyes and make eye contact with me? Thank you. Thank you. If you can just close your eyes and I'm coming over to section three. If you need to find a place of healing in section three, can you just open your eyes and look at me? Thank you. 
everyone can just close their eyes and then open. Well, we're going to pray with you, if that's okay. Listen, shame, shame, shame says you're all alone. Shame says you're the only one. Shame says that people are going to look at me differently now. Shame is telling you right now that Pastor Lucas, Pastor Lisa are going to look differently at me now. Shame is a liar. Shame is a liar. And shame exists to keep you locked up. But in Jesus, there is freedom. In Jesus, there is life. And so, Lord God, we confess our sins. We confess our brokenness to you this morning in our act of altar. We thank you, Lord, that you are faithful and just to forgive us as we walk in hearts of repentance. But we recognize that the journey of repentance, the journey of, of turning 180 degrees and walking away and walking out of brokenness can be a hard journey. So Lord, I ask that you give us the courage to invite others into our story and into our journey. Listen, listen, church, friends, I was not able to walk out of this by myself. <laughs> In fact, doing it by myself simply perpetuated the cycle of anger and frustration and feeling of hopelessness. Lord, would you give us the courage to invite others into our journey? Those that we trust, those that we know have capacity to love us in such a way that they'll take us to the cross. Not point fingers and fists, but will take us to the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for those that have been sexually abused in this place. Those whose whose sexual identity and, 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 and paradigm was shaped by someone else's brokenness. Lord, I pray that you'd be able to bring us to the place of forgiveness. For the sake of removing the bitterness from us. But Lord, you would also bring us to the place of wholeness. That our paradigm, that the way in which we see sex and sexuality would come into alignment with the beauty of the way you designed it. Not tainted by the brokenness of others. So Lord, we pray a special blessing upon those journeying out of and through abuse. Be with them. Would you guide them to people to invite into their story to find life and liberty in Jesus' name? We're just going to um, 
give it another week, and if, if you had made eye contact with either one of us, we, don't, we want you to know. We don't want this to be the end of this. And walking into and through a road of redemption was the hardest, most excruciating, awful few months of our lives of literally placing our shame before other people. But our marriage is so much better now than it ever was. And our trust in each other is completely restored by the grace of God because we walked down a road of healing. And so we're just waiting for some curriculum to come in and then we will um, try to contact everyone who had looked at us, but please email us if you made eye contact with us just so that you didn't get lost in in the many eyes, you're not alone. Because we don't want this to be the end of this journey to healing. This is the beginning. And there is life waiting for you on the other side of this moment of bringing all of your sin into light. And that is the most beautiful place to be is when you're standing in the light of God's grace. So when, when she says curriculum is coming, we're going we're gonna to create some, some uh, communities, some safe communities where we can walk through our brokenness together in a way that we have support, we have encouragement, we have accountability, and we have the ability to walk with one another in safety. And so that's coming. We will announce that. We'll kind of bring that to the church family, announce that so everybody's in the know on what's going on. But if you could, Lisa at evangelpc.com for you ladies, and myself, Lucas at evangelpc.com, you can visit our website, go on our contact page, email us directly, and we would love to just be able to walk with you, uh, both as a community and also as individuals. So thank you for your courage. Listen, I want to affirm your courage. We went way over time today, but I think it was important. It was important. Because I believe when, when we begin to walk in repentance, it opens up a movement of God in community of faith like you've never seen before. So God bless you. Have a great week. We love you.